Hello and welcome to the Dish It Out edition of Political Traction. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. 2021 was a year like no other, with the rapid, well sometimes rapid, deployment of not one, not two, but now three COVID-19 vaccination campaigns, a snap election, and a sizable remake of the federal cabinet. We have a lot to unpack in this week's special Year in Review episode. Joining me today are three of my exceptional colleagues and friends at Navigator. Danielle Parr draws on 20 years of experience advising federal governments, industry associations, and clients at large. Mike Van Solen is an experienced advisor on strategic and crisis communications and a regular media commentator. And Michael Cook is a seasoned journalist and former editor-in-chief of the Toronto Star. Together, we unpack this year's biggest win, the biggest cell phone, our favorite headlines, and so much more. This is Political Traction. All right, it's the end of 2021, and we made it, kind of, sort of. Um, I have, uh, we brought together a panel of excellent, smart, fun people that I get to work with or work around or talk to. As you know from the intro, Michael Cook, who's a member of the Scrum and guest appearing on this episode, my colleagues, Mike Fensolin and Danielle Parr, thank you all for coming on the podcast to talk about 2021 and doing so early in the morning without a drink in hand. So the year that we had is a bit, is a bit much. I think. It's been a dreadful Thanks. year, hasn't it? It's been dreadful. It's been dreadful for the whole world. And I don't know how you said, what was it? Effective, efficient, smart and fun. So that's quite a trifecta to live up to. Let's see sure. what we can do. There we go. Um, so our first... Uh, so it was the biggest political win of the year. Um, so who did you think had the biggest, and I will say, I look back and I really struggled to find one that stood head and shoulders above. Um, what's your, uh, what's your biggest political win of the year? Um, this was really tough because it just did not feel like a year when politicians particularly covered themselves in glory. Um, and, and so I, you know, part of me really wanted to go off the board, you know, as, as a, as an aging, uh, athletic hack myself, you know, I loved, uh, I love some of the sports stories. I love Tom Brady and the Bucks winning. I love Phil Mickelson at 50 winning the U S open. Um, but it, if I were going to be sort of, uh, you know, more philosophical about it, not that I liked the man a whole bunch, uh, or at all. But Mike Pence on January 6th did stand up for the U.S. Constitution and do the right thing in the face of a whole bunch of insanity from uh, the now, thankfully, former prime, uh, President Donald Trump. So if there was a win for the world and West, uh, Western values, uh, I'm going to tip my hat to Mr. Pence. Oh, hey. cow! I need a pair of binoculars to see... Uh... Mike Pence as a, a MVP politician. Holy well, I, I, Mr. Cook, I, I look forward to who you will nominate for this. Um, uh, so I, I sit with a bated breast. Uh, well, I don't have a, a politician per se, so I'm going to uh, do what you did uh, at the beginning, which is kind of cheat a little bit. I, my most valuable player of the year uh, is our, uh, in, in, in a, at a time when our foreign service disgraced itself, uh, is our ambassador to Pakistan, Wendy Gilmore. And she's the one shining jewel in our, in our foreign service during the embarrassing, the shameful disaster of Canada pulling out of Kabul. And from Islamabad, she was able to engineer 
the escape of people of Canadian citizens and also people with uh, Canadian paperwork to get them into Canada at a time when I thought we were let down by our nation was let down by our politicians, by our bureaucrats and by our military leaders. So I would do uh, two thumbs up to Wendy Gilmore, our ambassador. Very quiet. Not a lot of people know this. If you dug deep into the 35th inch of a long Globe and Mail story by Mark McKinnon, you'd find her noted there. But uh, I, I know that she's done great work for journalists, for, 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 for NGOs, for doctors, for human rights workers, getting them out of uh, Afghanistan at a time that was uh, a, a time of shame for our nation. Danielle? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go closer to home since no one's talked about Canadian politics yet. I am going to say the premier of Quebec. And I think, you know, when at the beginning of the pandemic, he was in a terror, the, the province was in a terrible state. They were performing the worst of anybody. Um, the population was up in arms. They were calling in the army to deal with long-term care homes and they managed to turn the tide and, you know, really become actually the most trusted premier on, on the pandemic response in the country. So uh, I, I've got to give some props to Premier Legault. This is the same politician, Danielle, who's pushing the disgraceful Bill 21 and probably the most current violation of Canadian human rights. That, that's, that's also a fair commentary. He's also <laughs> trying to save the, the game of hockey in the province of Quebec. So, you know, can't win them all. But, uh, but I think on the issue of the pandemic. <coughs> so get a good year. To that point, interestingly enough, my political MVP is is also Canadian, like an unusual one, and probably not one I would have thought I would have picked a couple of years ago. But a couple of times he's popped up and just sort of talks sense to the public in a way that I felt is useful. So I'm actually going to name of all people, I'm going to name um, Patrick Brown, and I'm going to say oh. that because when the on government of Ontario decided that they were going to limit our freedoms, they were going to do this police state shit, they were going to close playgrounds. He was the first politician to stand up and say, this is bullshit. I've had enough of this. And it caused a cascade of all the other mayors and all the other police chiefs who then rose up and said, no, we're not going to do this. And then just this week, again, yesterday, he stood up. And yes, I get it's politically advantageous for him, but nobody else has done it in Canada. The courage to say, you know what, Bill 21 is bullshit. It's racist. It's disgusting. And we as a country, yes, I get it's politically advantageous for Quebecers and the, the federal politicians to say no. He's standing up and saying, no, it's not good enough. We're going to raise money privately. We're going to band together as a country and we're going to fight this thing in court. So I have picked, yeah, and you didn't think I would do it, but then I kind of looked back at his record over last year and I was like, there were actually, these, there was a couple moments through this pandemic where he has kind of stood up and and done the principal thing so it's, a, it's an amazing year how it was amazing i think we're going to come at this question in a different way a little bit down in a bit but it, in a year where we had you know multiple elections and and nobody picks like a, a premier who had an exciting victory a prime minister who who won one office uh, it, it's amazing how far i felt i had to sort of stretch and think to uh, to come up with mike pence uh, as my, uh, as, as and my that's, guy. After so. all that thinking, that's where you landed, eh? Yeah. Now, so in that spirit of finding, uh, I guess, flowers in the midst of shit, um, let's just look at the shit. And who is, who? what was the biggest screw up? What was the biggest self-own? Danielle, you put your hand up, so you go first. Well, the way that you phrase this seems like just such a gimme that I felt like I had to go first because someone else is going to take it. So the biggest shooting themselves in the foot this year has to go to Aaron O'Toole on the whole gun thing in the platform. Like, 
you know, it started off so well. And yet with the inclusion of, of, of that in the platform, it completely, I think, destroyed his chances at 24 Sussex. Good one. I see well, that, I mean, I mean, there are there are a lot of politicians blowing their toes off uh, every time they look out there, and I agree with that. I, mine would be Justin Trudeau's bizarre trip. I don't know what it's one of those entre les guillemets, you know, what was he thinking? Bizarre trip to Tofino Beach on the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Uh, it's so odd that his staff would let him do that, and maybe they didn't know. But, uh, you know, we all want our prime minister to have plenty of vacation time and time with his wife and family. But that was just stupid, as, uh, uh, as Trudeau later had the grace uh, to concede. You know, oh, look at this. Here's a bucket of shit. I think I'll pour it over my head and, you know, my new, white, my new suit. Well, what was it's he like, thinking? It's like the advanced people that let Stephen Harper wear that, like, cowboy getup that time with the, with the chaps. It's it, like, where were the staff? You're right. There were no chaps. It was a vest and a bolo tie. I was not on the advanced team then, but I definitely <laughs> did work there. So just a note, no chaps. Um, uh, Michael, you stole mine, but I will, I will just, I will just note as a staffer, ex-staffer who has had politicians do um, like very idiotic things against my advice is I can't tell you sometimes they just, I'm sure the staff knew obviously because they lied in his itinerary and he's a prime minister. Like you can't just like tootle off to Tofino. Um, they would have known it was a like a fuck up, but he yeah. would have say, say, say that phrase again slowly because that's an important phrase. They lied about his itinerary and they were found out by journalists yeah. in their in their lie. Yeah. And actually, like, you know, I'm usually not okay with I don't know if you guys saw, I remember that the global footage was intense, right? They actually went to the beach and found them walking. And I'm usually not okay with that stuff, but I actually do think they he needed to be held accountable for what he did that day because the funny thing, they made it a holiday and one of the biggest arguments some of the premiers were making was people will just take vacation days off, which I actually kind of, I do believe that people will just treat it like it's, here's a toast to you as opposed to having right. programming in schools and workplaces as we did. Um, and then the prime minister himself did the worst thing he could have. And actually never really said, I'm sorry, by the way, he regrets it, but he never said the words, I'm sorry. And he got away with it. Um, but anyway, Mike. Yeah, I uh, look, I had written down the uh, surfing trip to Tofino myself, but uh, Justin Trudeau is a gift that keeps on giving. So I had a second one for the man uh, where he said, you'll forgive me if I don't think about monetary policy in the in the smuggest way that, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau can. And I do think uh, inflation, in the economy is going to be a big story. So that is that is one that's going to get uh, thrown in his face over and over um, uh, the next year, I think. Uh, so the, another uh, cell phone, but but by the Teflon Don himself, uh, Justin Trudeau. Yeah, I don't think any of these will stick to. They never stick to him. I would be curious to see how that he, if he decides to leave himself or eventually if it if it's there, there, there should be a bingo card of of like what's the thing that will eventually one day stick to Justin Trudeau, and you'll have to come up with like just crazy stuff to even believe. No, you know what? It's going to be something so mundane. It'll be like. You know, I don't know. He's mean to an old lady at the grocery store or something. Like, it, like it won't be the blackface. It won't be the you know, complete mismanagement of the economy. It won't be like it won't be yeah. any of that stuff. It'll be something really like or the plastic forks and his constituency right. office. Like, yeah. like an episode of Veep. Um, what about uh, our favorite uh, most out there headline? What do we have as our favorite? I got one? it. I got it. I okay. got it. 
You're up. Um, <clears throat> Toronto Maple Leafs were uh, meeting the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs, uh, coming out of you know the crazy hockey year that was in in April. Uh, John Tavares uh, got absolutely crushed by a month in an uh, accident with the, you know, a collision with the Montreal Canadiens player concussed, uh, wrecked his knee. Uh, he's of course the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto sun cover the next morning was captain crunched with a picture of him going <laughs> oh, yeah! off with a picture of him going off in a stretcher. That was nuts. Captain crunched. That's, That's very good. I love a good tabby headline too, but oh. like that one, I was like, "Woof!" Yeah, no, I mean, I've got the opposite of a tabby headline, um, which is the the uh, this is a headline that won the internet from the opposite of tabloid, which is the New York Times, and I need to pronounce it carefully because headlines need to be seen to, especially ones with puns, to be appreciated. So I'm going to pronounce it carefully, but I need to give you the. Uh, as, as Mike did, the 10-word backstory. The, the marine biology research, we're, we're doing research on the feeding habits of the moray eel, M-O-R-A-Y, the moray eel. Uh, and they discovered that moray eels can climb out of the water tank on a sort of a bridge to eat squid in a laboratory setting. And this has set the marine biology world aflame with excitement. Uh, and I think it's the best headline in the 170 years of the New York Times. So here's the headline. When an eel climbs a ramp to eat squid from a clamp, that's a moray. <laughs> I'll say that again. When an eel climbs a ramp to eat squid from a clamp, that's a moray. Now, I know my, my cultural, polit- my uh, uh, pop cultural references are a little old. You know, I think that was in 1950, so that would make it 70 years old. Um, and the other one that I like this year, was when we were getting ready to start uh, uh, a massive program of vaccination last summer, and it was in the Toronto Star. It's another pop culture reference, again, dating back. My pop culture references are not from Drake, okay? Dating okay. back to, ni- to 1960. So we're getting ready to do it all again, and it's let's blitz again like we did last summer. <laughs> that, was that a pity laugh, Amanda? I'm, it was I'm, not I'm, a I'm pity laugh. Chari- I'm sensing charity laugh there. No. I like the moray one. I mean, you had you should have done the lower one and then the moray. Yeah. Next. The moray yeah. was like, you see, that was grand. And then we, we had a lesser, but they're both excellent. And yeah. it's good because I couldn't find one. I can't top my glory hole one from my last year. I just couldn't find anything. But well, do you know, this is the BC government put out the press release saying like, please use glory holes as COVID. I don't know. There was amazing headlines. <laughs> it's it, yeah. I was like, there's well, nothing I- better than this. Well, so mine is a, mine is a COVID one, and it's not as like catchy as your headline. It's just just the sheer ridiculousness. I think it sort of sums up the whole COVID situation in the world in some way. You know, man caught wearing fake arm while getting COVID vaccine. <laughs> like, 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 really, like some guy went there. You know, like with his fake arm. Thinking yeah. that, you know, now he's going to get his vaccine passport and it's all going to be great and no one's going to catch on. Like, it's just I, I, the sheer idiocy of of what has been happening uh, yeah. around the world with this. I kind of sums it up. Yes. I will, I, I will offer, if I can, the, the one that I, I wanted to fit in here that I just <laughs> thought that I thought was great. It's not a headline, but kind of this is my favorite meme. 
But I loved, and my family watched intensely the Ever Given, stuck in the Suez Canal. And all the all the all those wonderful memes where the boat stuck and like you put something on it. And there's that little little digger was there trying to get it out. It's like, you know, here here's my to-do list and here's my processor. Here's here, you know, here's my here's the year on the boat. So, anyways, I thought the Ever Given was just uh, was a, a beautiful news news story and 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 just it was there for a week or ten days. And apparently, everything that my family had ever ordered was on that boat. I guess just <laughs> nothing came. But that was a good one too. Agreed. Uh, all right, uh, stories to watch for 2022. Where do we think? What do we think the news? Where do we think the news is going to go? Who wants to go first? Well, I'll, we've got. To, sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, look, uh, Mr. Cook will come up with something uh, even more on point than what I will. But I, I'm really thinking uh, there'll be two. There'll be two things. Uh, there'll be the economy. But I think the biggest story will be the pullback and rollback of sort of the nanny state that has been has bloomed uh, through COVID. Um, we will see just how much governments are kind of hooked on the idea of uh, of controlling uh, controlling uh, the, the movement of people, uh, how much they like giving out money and 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 all those things. So I really think the the uh, how we get back to having our personal freedoms again will be will be really key and there'll be a lot of tension in that debate and i think we'll see uh, we'll see a real difference between progressive governments and conservative ones in how they do it and um uh, so so that's i'm really looking for how we unpack all this stuff that we've uh, put in place through covid have you noticed by the way it's interesting to me this time now we're into omicron um like even the division before like the first two waves it was like oh you can't travel it's shameful whatever yeah. Conservatives are already out saying, you know, people who are fully vaccinated should make their own decisions. We're not going to limit people's travel. They can like choose your own adventure. I feel like from a news and even like being around, and I, I know this is self-selecting because I am very much like I'm done with the right. government telling me what you, to do. You, you I'm very done with it. Yeah. Done with being told what to do by people that I don't respect. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to make my own choices. Uh, but it feels a bit like it's starting to shift. And I don't know if that's because I'm self-selecting my audiences. Like I was at the gym at this morning, like very early. Right. And it's like, Oh, they may lock down again. And it's like, nobody wants to lock down, look around here. And I'm like, yes, well, we're full of a bunch of people who came to the gym at five 30 and 6am. Like we are not your average well, citizen. But I think, I think like, that's my view is that there's actually beyond just the government and the, how do they reconcile, you know, their, their new role in a new world. It's actually like this division in society. And I think, you know, we've seen it in the States throughout the whole pandemic. In Canada, we're, we've been very compliant and very obedient. We follow that, you know, what they tell us to do. But I, you can see it now, right? So there is a division. No, like the people with young kids who aren't vaccinated still, who have older parents, the people who are just worried about long COVID or whatever, versus the people who are like, let's get back to, to normal. Um there's a real division and there's so much uncertainty. The science isn't clear. There's no real guidance. It's just chaos at this point, you know, in terms of knowing what to do. And I think it's going to cause actual divisions in Canada, the way that it has in other places um, to a greater extent. It'll just be interesting to watch because Premier Ford's reelection, he's obviously decided, I think that his road is restrictions. So people want it and that's where he sees safe. So he's continuously positions themselves as like an outlier and, close the borders down, demanding all the testing. So that's clearly where they've decided their political fortunes are. I'll just be interesting to see how the actual populace 
lines up behind that. And if that's a pro, I think that's a pro on a coalition for sure for him to be reelected, but how many of them peel off on his other side? Um, Michael, story to watch for you in 2022? I think it's, I think it's one more time where we've got one more round on the carousel of, of the stories that we've had this year. We, you know, obviously the pandemic, the unmarked graves, the climate crisis, Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine, maybe going to war, the, the fentanyl overdose epidemic, the capital insurrection in the US, military sex misconduct, royal family drama, uh, and, uh, and China uh, are all going to continue. But I do think that that the new it happens so fastly the the cycle spins so so fast that it's hard to pick one so I'm going to pick one out of those to look at and that's going to be the February uh, the Beijing Games in February which which um, which we've got to watch uh, even though you know Peng Shui I'm not sure what's happening to her and and um, and what's happening in Taiwan and they're having an election in Hong Kong where only patriots are, are participating and the Tibet children are going into their own residential schools thanks to China and we've had the two Michaels and we've had COVID which the whole world is suffering because of Chinese government lying and negligence um, and it just goes on and on and yet we're still going to their party even though you know, our government has said, well, you know, we won't send a few MPs on business class for a free holiday in China. And I'm sure the Chinese government's quaking in its boots. So watch the Beijing Olympics. It, something could happen. Who knows? But I, all eyes on the Beijing Olympics. And out of curiosity, Michael, because I debated this on my radio show, too. Would you be in favor of like a full do you think we should do a full boycott as opposed to the diplomatic boycott? Like yeah, I think I think I, I know that people have trained for four years and, I, and this is not 100 to zero. This might be 60, 40, whatever. I know they've trained for four years and they're young people and it's their lives. I get that. But the two Michaels alone, we should just say, keep your fucking Walmart plastic shit. We don't want it. Right. We're done. And we'll subsidize our canola farmers um, so you don't have to buy our canola. We, they need to take us seriously. You know what they do? They laugh at us. I just I disagree. Uh, like I th I think uh, pointing to Beijing as a story is is a is a great one. Uh, I think the the unfolding story of China is 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 so interesting. Uh, I, I don't even know if you touched on you know uh, what they're doing with the Uyghurs uh, there. Yeah, yeah um, there you go. An ongoing genocide before yeah. our very eyes. But 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 I do I I think Canada needs to get more serious about China. I think the Western world needs to get more serious about China. But I don't agree with uh, robbing these athletes because the IOC made a craven decision to go to China to rob them the opportunity to have uh, their chance uh, to perform at the sports they've worked so hard at. I, I bet you that it's there's going to be some natural attrition. I think not just Omicron, but also, you know, there's a story I think last weekend about hockey players realizing that they're going to be stuck in like Chinese quarantine for, you know, Five a month or something. Yeah. Like something insane. And they're like, um, maybe I'll just stay at home in my, you know, big mansion in wherever. And, uh, you know, and, and not do it. Right. So I think that there's going to be more and more athletes also who are, you know, deciding maybe, maybe, maybe I don't want to go and end up in Chinese prison. I'm fine if they self-select to not go. I, I, I don't think Justin Trudeau or whatever leader uh, gets to choose that for him. And I'm happy for them. It's, it's a small symbol, but I'm happy that uh, as Michael put it, uh, you know, MPs don't, don't fly over there and participate in some official ceremonies. Uh, they probably shouldn't that, do that regardless. There's our prime minister saying Canada is back. And, you know, you go, yeah, we're back right behind 
all the other people who decided to diplomat to have a diplomatic boycott. You know, we're behind the Americans. We're back behind all these people. We're not showing any leadership. Yeah, what's your story to watch? Oh man, I no, I, I like I said, I think it's I think you know everything that's been said so far, right? It's it's it is a rehash of everything. I don't think we've solved a lot of the issues that have been massive issues this year, and I think we're just going to see more of the same moving forward. And um, I think that, like I said earlier, it's going to continue to cause divisions. Um, all of these things, not just COVID. I think all of these things are causing a lot of divisions, and I and I'm I worry about. You saw like the rise of the People's Party, for example, in Canada. Um, so I think this this real sort of polarization of the Canadian electorate and the Canadian population is something scary, but something we're really going to have to keep an eye on in the coming year. I think we all kind of look down our noses at the anti-vaxxers, uh, for example, but I think it's actually a symbol of, of some deeper unrest. And um, uh, and so that, that's sort of one to watch. Politicians are being attacked. Uh, you know, there was people in front of Christine Elliott's thing house the other day in Ontario. Um, uh, I, I think it, it's a placeholder for sort of larger um, resentment and, and division. And uh, just getting past the, the pandemic doesn't necessarily uh, diminish the enthusiasm of some of these groups. And I also think the idea that the anti-vaxxers are some monolithic knuckle-dragging version of the PPC is ridiculous. Like it's, it's also empirically not evident, right? Like I know some people like that, but well, not knuckle draggy, but anyway, but I also know there's, I know with several like people that I, acquaintances that I know, they're female liberal voting, like holistic, my body is a temple people. Like there's all kinds of folks that make up that. And I think the, the you know, the deliberate blindness to that to me doesn't help anyone. Um, my, Michael mentioned my story to watch, uh, because I, I do think, and it's a both, we had an episode, the last episode we did, it was about um, a little bit about this as well is the royal family in Canada's place in that I think the queen um, health is I mean I love the queen I think with the queen's health being very unstable um, Charles ascending the throne I think it's going to be a natural conversation here in Canada about do we want King Charles um, especially with Barbados doing what they did and it was very interesting because I thought oh no government will ever want to bite this off way too much work and yes I understand the constitutional framework here in Canada is very different than in in, in Barbados but um, you know, they had a pretty good, that was a pretty good political day. Like they spent, she said the, she said the, the beginning of the year, we're going to do this. It was a big celebration of us growing up as a nation. Charles came and said he was sorry. And off they go with Rihanna and fireworks and whatever. And to me, it struck me as a very interesting yeah. political conversation to have. And actually like a politically advantageous one, if you want to think about the liberal party being the founders of the charter and the whatever, like, are we Cause I don't know, King Charles, Queen Elizabeth, Fine. Love the yeah. woman. She'd be on my money. But like King Charles, I just, I draw the line at King Charles. I'm not, I, I've stopped being monarchist yeah. at King Charles. That's interesting. I, I blame Meghan Markle and Prince Harry for their little temper tantrum to some extent in, in helping to ignite this. Because like, I love the queen and I, I am a monarchist at the end of the day. And, but their little temper tantrum did absolutely, like, did that themselves no favors, but I think it's also been really damaging for how people have seen yeah. Prince Charles in particular. It would be very hard to bow before Prince Charles as king, a man who says he wants to be a tampon. So, you know. <laughs> the, the, you, you may I, not remember that. that was oh, I know that reference. <laughs> oh, we all know that reference. If you don't and you're listening, please Google it. It is insane. <laughs> like, That's not something one should Google. 
There are pillow talk conversations, and there's whatever Charles does, which just shows again how he should not be. <laughs> Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I'm in. I, I'm not a monarchist. Uh, I mean, it's fine. I, I have no real affinity for 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 the institution uh, as such. Um, what I find interesting about you you pointing to this is, is two things. One, I've been to Barbados many times, and and so the story caught me by surprise because it always felt more. Uh, you know, they, they love their British traditions there. You know, they have the guards all uh, standing at the hotels. And so there seemed to be a real reverence to, to it. So the story caught me off guard when they when they actually threw that off. And then two, I worry when you think about the, I just worry it will be an easy political distraction if, you know, if you're a government in a little bit of hot water, say Justin Trudeau, you get down and suddenly the, the prospect of Charles, if you want to have a throw the country in a whole debate about something that doesn't matter and has nothing to do with the economy or anything of substance, uh, I can see us just going down that path for uh, boy, that's just, I, yeah. I think as a Mike, as Amanda foreshadowed, that path is a long torture. If you think Meech Lake was long and tortuous, uh, for, for uh, as our constitution does not allow for that, and it, it could happen, but boy, that's a that's a three-year talk fest. And you're sure. right. That was a, a three-year distraction. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's like it's and then at the end of the road is Justin Trudeau is our head of state. Like that's the prize. <laughs> well, in theory, it would be the PM. But like to speaking of distractions, like I remember when I was in the mayor's office, everybody wanted us to bid for the Olympics after the Pan Am Games, where it was a whole strategy. And I was all like, Yeah, this will be fun. We should do it. It'll be great. Two weeks in, I was the biggest opponent of the Pan Game because. 30% of all my media inquiries or of Olympics became Olympic related. It was Olympics. And I was like, I can't do my fucking job and also run an Olympic bid. Like, this is stupid. Like, we're not doing this. And I, this, I was like, it will distract. It's a waste of time. But if he's in shit, yeah, I'd start a national conversation about the future of Canada. I mean, he's one to brop himself in the flag. All right. Well, um, we sort of did it at the beginning. I, we only have like probably five minutes left. I know everybody's got to, who's got to run and do things in Christmas shop and help clients. But does anyone have like a happy political story, a thing that made them look up and smile? Michael has a good, Michael's got his hand. Michael, bring us joy. Well, it's, it's one of the, on the list of things we might discuss was the biggest win of the year. And in a year of uh, more than a year of the pandemic, which has been a tragedy, there's no doubt about that. I think there's just a little glimmer of joy. And that joy would be for the introverts uh, of the world uh, <laughs> who, 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 who probably find the very phrase social distancing somewhat arousing. Anyway, um, for, for those people, there's no more forced, painful, small talk, no open offices, no parties. And I'm sure they're having absolute bliss and are dreading what the rest of us want, which is the big return to work in 2022. Anyone else? Happy wins, happy things. Um, I think the I think the vaccine. Sorry, just I don't mean to. I think the vaccines have, have been a win for us, but yeah. but but most recently, not so completely. And I find it disturbing the number of double and triple vaccinated people who are who are testing positive for COVID. You know, when someone like Messiah Jury uh, triple vaxxed uh, uh, gets COVID, you think, oof, don't like the sound of that. So so vaccines were a big win, but just a little around the edges. So. Well, I think part of that is we need to reorient our philosophy around vaccines. Like if he's triple vaccinated, gets sick, but has no symptoms, like that's actually the purpose of the damn thing. It's not to like, I mean, ideally you don't get it, but if you get it and you have no symptoms, then it's like any other sort of, you know, so for me, I still, I, mine was like as nerdy and, you know, it's like, let's celebrate the healthcare heroes. But I do think it's, it is incredibly remarkable. Like I look back at a photo of myself 
getting my first shot. And I like, I took a selfie because you know, that's what one does. And, but you, I was post, too, and you posted it. I did. I did. I posted the second one and I did it because I did a Sophie Trudeau where I like dip my shirt down my shoulder and I was like, very. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Did you make a little heart symbol with your hand? I did not. I did not do that. But I was crying because I was like, fuck, this thing is over. And of course, now it's not over, but at least it started to be over. I could, I didn't like, I didn't have to be so scared. Um, Like my mother in law, who's, you know, in her 70s, like we were concerned about that. So, you know, to me, it felt like, okay, like this is the beginning of whatever this yeah. end is, which is not taking your half. So I do think, yes, they're not perfect, but it's pretty remarkable that we yeah. got a vaccine to this thing in the yeah. time that we did. And we don't maybe celebrate that enough. As so, keep, so keep calm and Omicron. Yeah. Yeah. Keep calm and Omicron. There we go. Yeah. Mike or Danielle? Um, I, I'm hoping Omicron does actually represent sort of the, the last sort of throes of this in some way. I hope it proves that it actually, in fact, isn't as, uh, as uh, uh, harmful to, to one's health as, as Delta was, and that this is sort of moving into, uh, you know, COVID just sort of living with it. And that, that, you know, I've had this idea, or people have had this idea for a long time, that eventually we'll, it will be a seasonal thing that we have and we're protected against and, and, and life returns to normal. So, um, uh, you know, there, there, there's something I I'm hopeful for in 2021. I I've been wrong in every prediction prediction I've made of this, of this pandemic, every single one. Um, but I hope uh, my record is, uh, is broken and, and this somehow does prove it to be the last throes of this scourge. Yeah. 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 And, and I would say, I think along the same lines of, you know, crises bring us to to better places at the end of the day. I think that um, Indigenous reconciliation, I think, is something that we can all really be hopeful for is 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 actually taking meaningful steps forward. And, you know, you know, in terms of what the government is is doing in terms of the and I think the public imagination and the public interest in in this issue I think it has completely changed and there's genuine uh, awareness in a way that there never was before. And I think, you know, the, the, the Catholic church acknowledging it, the Pope coming to Canada potentially next year. Um, I think that this is really meaningful and I think gives us a lot of optimism and hope for ending a really horrible long chapter of Canadian history. Here, here. Here, here. All right. With yeah. that, we will wrap. 2021 on the pod thank you all three of my favorite people to be back here i wish you all a very happy holiday and merry christmas and to you listeners uh we will be back uh mid-january so um thank you guys so much for coming on take care happy new year happy new year Political Traction is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high-stakes public affairs firm. Our show is produced by John Gardner, Kimberly Drapak, Matthew Barnes, Adam Owen, and Thomas Ashcroft. A very special thank you goes out to this week's guests, Danielle Parr, Mike Van Solen, and Michael Cook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate us online wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at TractionPolly. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. We'll be back in the new year after our mid-season break with a very special episode on January 14th. Until then, have a safe, and happy holiday.